a special counsel does, but Merrick Garland appoints special counsel for Trump investigation. This is CBS News. Yeah, and I'm curious, you know, the last time uh, the, the, the Mueller uh, special uh, counsel, Trump was in office. And I'm curious, do you think that there is any Yo. Yo. You up? Yep. Oh, you want some drink? Um, advantage to be. Uh, sure. What? What you got? You know, strawberry. That's uh, really. Far out. Uh, you know, oh look at that. Uh, I need a cup. There's a couple cups. Uh, I. You better come look at it. It's full of flies. That. It, I mean, like, like there's like four hundred thousand of them in here right now. You come look at
sitting president when when you were being investigated versus when you are in the running, so to speak, uh, or a private citizen, so to speak, uh, with this kind of, of investigation before you? So I'll, I'll take that one for a moment. I mean, the answer should be that and I thought Scott's answer was so important in the sense that the Biden White House might have been caught off guard or taken by surprise mm -hmm. because the Department of Justice is supposed to be independent. Of course, the attorney general is a political appointee, is appointed by the president, but the Department of Justice is not supposed to be the president's personal law firm. The Department of Justice is exactly what it sounds like. And it's supposed to serve us and uphold the federal law and enforce the federal law. And so when it comes to these decisions about, for instance, whether or not there should be a special counsel or whether or not there should be charges brought at all, President Biden has been clear about this. Merrick Garland has been clear about this. This should not be a political decision and there should not be consultation. with political leaders. This should be a matter of looking at a federal statute and saying, here are the words of the federal statute. Here are the facts as we have investigated them. And we think that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there was a violation of this federal statute, or we don't think we can. But to your question about, you know, what if you're in office or what if you're out of office and a private citizen and running for office, the answer is, the same in the sense that all of those decisions that either the Department of Justice makes, or in this case, that a special counsel will be making, should be made separate and apart from President Trump's status as a current president, as a current candidate. Now, obviously, there are certain issues, legal issues brought up by the fact that President Trump was in office. There are certain executive privileges that attach. But an assessment about whether or not to move shouldn't matter. This is our old saying, no person is above the law. All right, let's bring into this conversation Rebecca Royfe, CBS News legal analyst. Um, Rebecca, first of all, your reaction to this news, this is something that we had heard about as a possibility, and now we are expecting that announcement here just minutes away. Well, first of all, I think it's a signal that the investigation is moving forward and there's some consideration um, or at least the thought that there will be some consideration about whether or not to bring charges. That's obviously um, the difficult call to make. I think Jessica is entirely right that the process needs to be insulated as best as possible from political influence. We saw with uh, special counsel Robert Mueller that the former president 
indeed attacked him, even though he was a special counsel, even though he had um, ties to the Republican Party um, as a you know Democrat who had, was after him for you know partisan reasons. And so, to the extent that this helps in conveying the notion that this is not a political process, that the law is being considered in light of the facts, then I think it's a good move. How effective it is with um, you know a core set of the former president's supporters, um, I'm not sure that it will actually help because I think he will discredit this no matter who is involved and no matter how um, legitimate the investigation is. All right, we are expecting that announcement for our viewers who may just be joining us from Attorney General Merrick Garland at any moment. There you see the Justice Department where the podium is set up in anticipation of that announcement. And Rebecca, while we wait for the Attorney General, um, I wanted to ask you as well, what are the factors that a Merrick Garland would have to consider in making a decision like this to appoint a special counsel? <laughs> discretion to appoint a special counsel in a case like this is broad if he perceives that there could be a conflict of interest or a, a, a given his broad discretion what's really at issue is why did he um, choose to exercise that discretion and was it a good move? And I think that the answer to that is he decided to do it to try to convey to the American people that this is not chosen by the president and therefore there's some indication, some connection there. And this Then walk off like you don't be your own boss. You don't need no leash. All your shots up to date, you ain't got no fleet. You a good little puppy, you don't live on the street. You don't want no money, you want something to eat. Got your own water bowl, you don't need my drink. Take a then walk off like you don't think. Be your own boss. You don't need no leash. All your shots up to date, you ain't got no fleet. You a good little puppy, you don't live on the street. You don't want 70s and 80s babies. Out here looking younger than everybody. 70s and 80s, baby.
um, what response uh, the former president might have. I'm, I'm truly curious. Yeah, I asked to, Scott to hear. that. Yeah, I asked Scott that if there was any reaction yet at all, um, including from the former president. I think the answer is we don't know yet. Obviously, we are waiting that announcement, but Scott was anticipating, as he pointed out, just yeah. a deluge of reaction, including from uh, the former president. Um, so we'll wait to see. He also, um, Rebecca, mentioned that he would not anticipate Merrick Garland answering any questions at a, an announcement like this. Would you anticipate the same thing, given the sensitivities surrounding this? Yes, I imagine he won't. And, and to address your your first point, I think you know one of the key factors in terms of the president's, the former president's reaction is going to be who they appoint as special counsel. Mm. Because I think mm. we know from the past that what he does is personalize these things, mm. and that's his way of undermining the effort. It's to find the person, find weaknesses that the person might have, hone in on those weaknesses, and even if that person has no weaknesses, to invent some. Um, and publicize them. So I think, you know, what I'm really looking for is who will um, Merrick Garland pick and whether he's going to announce that now, because it does seem to me to be very significant. And I think that choice ought to be somebody who has strong ties to the Republican Party. So it makes it harder. Now, as we know, as I was just saying before, it doesn't make it impossible because President Trump, former President always going to go after that person, even if they've got the credentials and all of the connections that would indicate that as a personal matter, as a general matter, they would be inclined not to, um, you know, not to seek to undermine the president, the former president's campaign, or, um, you know, do him in in any way. But I think the problem is that, you know, no matter how hard they try, it's going to be very difficult to find something. sort of, um, you know, ha is, has some kind of immunity from that, because as we've seen, nobody really does. Yeah, or at least a thick skin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, we see someone there. Perhaps that was our two-minute warning. I don't know, control room, you can let us know. But um, in the interim, uh, very quickly then, um, let me ask you, Jessica, to Rebecca's point, what are those qualities um, that may be uh, necessary in order to take this job as special counsel? First of all, I totally agree with everything Rebecca said in the sense that this is somebody where conventional wisdom would say it would be really hard for Republicans and the former president to criticize uh, this person if, in fact, they're a Democrat or a Democratic activist in any way. So you want to look for somebody with some ties to the Republican Party or the Republican establishment. Having said that, it's exactly what Rebecca also said, oh. which is Rebecca, Rebecca and Jessica, thank you. Uh, we're going to have to what? leave it there. We want to take you now to a CBS News special report. Why should they appoint somebody with ties to the fucking the Republican Party? For instance, whether or not there should be a special counsel or whether or not there should be charges brought at all. 
What? President Biden has been clear about this. Merrick Garland has been clear about this. This should not be a political decision, and there should not be consultation with political leaders. This should be a matter of looking at a federal statute. We have some sunlight on what a special counsel does, but you can't just get the attorney general to sit in front of a congressional panel and answer questions about what the special counsel does. There's an independence there. Yeah, and I'm curious, you know, the last time uh, the, the Mueller uh, special uh, counsel, Trump was in office. And I'm curious, do you think that there is any um, advantage to being a sitting president when, when you were being investigated versus when you are in the running, so to speak, uh, or a private citizen, so to speak, uh, with this kind of, of investigation before you? So I'll, I'll take that one for a moment. I mean, the answer should be that, and I thought Scott's answer was so important in the sense that the Biden White House might have been caught off guard or taken by surprise mm -hmm. because the Department of Justice is supposed to be independent. Of course, the attorney general is a political appointee, is appointed by the president, but the Department of Justice is not supposed to be the president's personal law firm. Which the Department of Justice is Trump exactly what it, it sounds like. And it's supposed to serve us and uphold the federal law yeah, and enforce the federal motherfucking law. Criminals and so when and it terrorists. comes to these decisions about, for instance, whether or not there should be a special counsel or whether or not there should be charges brought at all. Lock up Trump. President Lock Biden has been clear point. about this. Merrick Garland has been clear about this. This should not be a political decision and there should not be consultation with political leaders. This should be a matter of looking at a federal statute and saying, here are the Special words of the federal statute, here are the facts as we have investigated them, and we think that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there was a violation of this federal statute, or we charges. don't think we can. But to your question about you know, what if you're in office or what if you're out of office and a private citizen and running for office, the answer is the same in the sense that all of those decisions that either the Department of Justice makes or in this case that a special counsel will be making should be made separate and apart from President Trump's status as a current president, as a former president, as a current candidate. Whatever. Now, obviously, there are certain issues, legal issues brought up by the Is fact that President Trump now, was in office. There are certain up. executive privileges that attach. But an assessment about whether or not to move forward, it shouldn't matter. This is our old saying, no person is above the law. All right, let's bring into this conversation Rebecca Royfe, CBS News legal analyst. Um, Rebecca, first of all, your reaction to this news, this is something that we had heard about as a possibility, and now we are expecting that announcement here just minutes away. Well, first of all, I think it's a signal that the investigation is moving forward and there's some consideration, um, or at least the thought that there will be some consideration about whether or not to bring charges. That's obviously um, the difficult call to make. I think Jessica is entirely right that the process needs to be 
insulated as best as possible from political influence. We saw with uh, special counsel Robert Mueller that the former president indeed attacked him, even though he was a special counsel, even though he had um, ties to the Republican Party um, as a you know Democrat who had, was after him for you know partisan reasons. And so to the extent that this helps in conveying the notion that this is not a political process, that the law is being considered in light of the facts, then I think it's a good move. How effective it is with, um, you know, a core set of the former president's supporters, um, I'm not sure that it will actually help because I think he will discredit this no matter who is involved and no matter how um, legitimate the investigation is. All right, we are expecting that announcement for viewers who may just be joining us from Attorney General Merrick Garland at any moment. There you see the Justice Department where the podium is set up in anticipation of that announcement. And Rebecca, while we wait for the Attorney General, um, I wanted to ask you as well, what are the factors that a Merrick Garland would have to consider in making a decision like this to appoint a special counsel given how politicized the environment is right now? So the attorney general's um, discretion to appoint a special counsel in a case like this is broad. If he perceives that there could be a conflict of interest or a at least the perception, a strong perception of a conflict of interest, he is allowed to appoint a special counsel. So I think given his broad discretion, what's really at issue is why did he um, choose to exercise that discretion and was it a good move? And I think that the answer to that is he decided to do it to try to convey to the American people that this is not political, even though he is not a political actor. He is obviously chosen by the president and therefore there's some indication, some connection there. And this further insulates the uh, investigation and, you know, if it were to turn into a prosecution from allegations that this was the politically motivated choice of a political rival. I'm curious, um, is there any um, any word now, as, the, as this word goes out, um, what response uh, the former president might have? I'm, I'm truly curious yeah, I asked to, Scott to hear. That. Yeah, I asked Scott that if there was any reaction yet at all, um, including from the former president. I think the answer is we don't know yet. Obviously, we are waiting that announcement, but Scott was anticipating, as he pointed out, just yeah. a deluge of reaction, including from uh, the former president. Um, so we'll wait to see. He also, um, Rebecca, mentioned that he would not anticipate Merrick Garland answering any questions at a, an announcement like this. Would you anticipate the same thing, given the sensitivities surrounding this? Yes, I imagine he won't. And and to address your your first point, I think you know one of the key factors in terms of the president's the former president's reaction is going to be who they appoint as special counsel. Because I think we know from the past that what he does is personalize these things, mm -hmm. and that's his way of undermining the effort. It's to find the person, find weaknesses that the person might have, hone in on those weaknesses, and even if that person has no weaknesses, to invent some. Um, and publicize them. So I think you know what I'm really looking for is who will um, Merrick Garland pick and whether he's going to announce that now, because it does seem to me to be very significant. And I think that choice ought to be somebody who has strong ties to the Republican Party. So it makes it harder. Now, as we know, as I was just saying before, it doesn't make it impossible because 
President Trump, former President Trump is always going to go after that person, even if they've got all of the credentials and all of the connections that would indicate that as a personal matter, as a general matter, they would be inclined not to, um, you know, not to seek to undermine the president, the former president's campaign or, um, you know, do him in in any way. But I think the problem is that, you know, no matter how hard they try, it's going to be very difficult to find somebody who had who's sort of. Um, you know, ha- is it has some kind of immunity from that because, as we've seen, nobody really does. Yeah, or at least a thick skin. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, we see someone there. Perhaps that was our two-minute warning. I don't know, control room. You can let us know. But um, in the interim, uh, very quickly, then um, let me ask you, Jessica, to Rebecca's point: What are those qualities um, that may be uh, necessary in order to take this job as special counsel? Well, first of all, I totally agree with everything Rebecca said in the sense that this is somebody where conventional wisdom would say it would be really hard for Republicans and the former president to criticize uh, this person if, in fact, they're a Democrat or a Democratic activist in any way. So you want to look for somebody with some ties to the Republican Party or the Republican establishment. Having said that, it's exactly what Rebecca also said, which is Rebecca Rebecca and Jessica, thank you. Uh, We're going to have to leave it there. We want to take you now to a CBS News special report. This is a CBS News special report. Hello, everyone. I'm Major Garrett in Washington. We are coming on the air to share a significant development into the ongoing federal investigations against former President Donald Trump. Attorney General Merrick Garland will appoint a special counsel to oversee the Justice Department's multiple investigations involving the former president. The special counsel will oversee both the case involving classified documents found at Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and the separate probe involving the January 6th insurrection and Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. This announcement comes just three days after Trump launched his 2024 candidacy for the White House. The special counsel to be appointed is named Jack Smith, who began his career in the Department of Justice as an assistant DA in New York County. He is currently the chief prosecutor for the special counsel in The Hague, which investigates and prosecutes war crimes. We have a camera, as you can see, at the Justice Department awaiting the arrival of the Attorney General. Our senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Herridge, is with me at the table. Catherine, for as many seconds as we might have before the Attorney General makes his appearance, what is the significance of the appointment of a special counsel? Well, a special counsel is brought in by the Justice Department when they feel the standard or routine handling of a criminal investigation might present or have the perception of a conflict of interest. In this particular case, I've spoken with two former attorneys for former President Trump. They believe it's an indicator that the department may have sufficient evidence to bring criminal charges. And we will find out about that here now. The Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland. I'm here today to announce the appointment of a special counsel in connection with two ongoing criminal investigations that have received significant public attention. The first, as this core entity unlawfully interfered with the transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or the certification of the Electoral College vote held on or about January 6, 2021. 
The second is the ongoing investigation involving classified documents and other presidential records, as well as the possible obstruction of that investigation referenced and described in court filings in a pending matter in the Southern District of Florida. Hmm. I'm joined today by Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves, and Assistant Attorney General for the Criminal Division, Kenneth Polite. Assistant Attorney General for National Security, Matthew Olson, hmm. could not be here. He is currently in Germany, representing the department at the G7 Home Affairs and Security Ministerial. U.S. Attorney Graves has been ably leading the investigations into the events leading up to and on January 6. He and dozens of assistant U.S. attorneys and other prosecutors have taken on the monumental task of conducting over 900 prosecutions in defense of our democratic institutions. Criminal Division prosecutors under the able leadership of Assistant Attorney General Polite have played a significant role in those prosecutions. Assistant Attorney General Olson has been ably leading the team responsible for investigating the matter involving classified documents and other presidential records, as well as the possible obstruction of that investigation. All of the career prosecutors assigned to these matters are conducting their work in the best traditions of the Department of Justice. I also want to recognize the efforts of the many FBI agents and other law enforcement personnel who are assigned to these matters. They are working courageously and steadfastly and are serving our nation honorably. I am grateful to them. We all are. The Department of Justice has long recognized that in certain extraordinary cases, it is in the public interest to appoint a special prosecutor to independently manage an investigation and prosecution. Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election, and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. Such an, uh, an appointment underscores the department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters. It also allows prosecutors and agents to continue their work expeditiously and to make decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. The special counsel will conduct parts of the first investigation I just mentioned. The investigation into whether any person or entity unlawfully interfered with the transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or with the certification of the Electoral College vote held on or about January 6. This does not include prosecutions that are currently pending in the District of Columbia or future investigations and prosecutions of individuals for offenses committed while they were physically present on the Capitol grounds on January 6. Those investigations and prosecutions will remain under the authority of the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. The special counsel will also conduct the investigation involving classified documents and other presidential records, as well as the possible obstruction of that investigation. Today, I signed an order appointing Jack Smith to serve as special counsel. The order authorizes him to continue the ongoing investigation into both of the matters that I have just described and to prosecute any federal crimes that may arise from those investigations. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. 
He began his prosecutorial career in 1994 as an assistant district attorney with the New York County DA's office. In 1999, he became an assistant U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York, where over the course of nine years, he prosecuted matters ranging from gang murders of police officers to civil rights violations. From 2008 to 2010, he served with the International Criminal Court, where he supervised war crimes investigations. In 2010, Mr. Smith returned to the Justice Department to serve as Chief of the Public Integrity Section, where he led a team of more than 30 prosecutors who handled public corruption and election crimes cases across the United States. In 2015, he agreed to serve as the first Assistant U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Tennessee, later becoming the acting United States Attorney. Most recently, Mr. Smith served as a Chief Prosecutor for the Special Court in The Hague charged with investigating and adjudicating war crimes in Kosovo. Mr. Smith will begin his work as special counsel immediately and will be returning to the United States from The Hague. Throughout his career, Jack Smith has built a reputation as an impartial and determined prosecutor who leads teams with energy and focus to follow the facts wherever they lead. As special counsel, he will exercise independent prosecutorial judgment to decide whether charges should be brought. Although the special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of any official of the department, he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. I will ensure that the special counsel receives the resources to conduct this work quickly and completely. Given the work to date and Mr. Smith's prosecutorial experience, I am confident that this appointment will not slow the completion of these investigations. The men and women who are pursuing these investigations are conducting themselves in accordance with the highest standards of professionalism. I could not be prouder of them. I strongly believe that the normal processes of this department can handle all investigations with integrity. And I also believe that appointing a special counsel at this time is the right thing to do. The extraordinary circumstances presented here demand it. Mr. Smith is the right choice to complete these matters in an even-handed and urgent manner. Thank you all. That is the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, announcing the appointment of a special counsel. He said this has happened before in U.S. history under certain extraordinary cases. Any investigation that might lead to criminal charges against a former president of the United States would undoubtedly qualify as an extraordinary case. Our senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Harris, before the attorney general walked out, you mentioned special counsels are appointed when there are concerns about conflict of interest. The attorney general hit that hard. What did you hear, Catherine? I thought it was very significant, Major, that he really made the argument with real clarity as to why he felt a special counsel was warranted under these conditions. He cited the recent announcement by former President Trump that he will seek the Republican nomination for 2024 and then also President Biden's intent to run again in 2024. And in his view, these two provide the appearance of a conflict of interest. And it seems the timing this week of the former president's announcement really was the deciding factor. I want to go down to Jeff Begay's, our chief national affairs and justice correspondent in the room that the attorney general just left. Jeff, your thoughts? 
Yeah, we'd heard over the last couple of weeks that there had been deliberations about whether to appoint a special counsel, and here you have it as Catherine pointed out, that move this past week by the former president to throw his hat into the ring accelerated the things here at the Department of Justice. You heard the Attorney General also say that the current president is intent on running, even though uh, President Biden has not officially thrown, him, thrown his hat in the ring. But obviously, this is a move that takes it out of the hands of the Attorney General, who has been under pressure, not only from Republicans, but also from Democrats who wanted swifter action against the former president. So we'll have to see where this goes with this seasoned prosecutor. He's someone who is not a household name, but he certainly will be after handling these cases major. Jeff, you have pressed the attorney general on more than one occasion about the idea that a former president might be indicted. This now appears to be a move, if not in that direction, one where that question and the seriousness around it will be explored even further. Yeah, these are weighty issues. I think sometimes people forget that. But what we're talking about here is is history, the potential of actually charging a former president of the United States. You just don't see that in this democracy. And so there are weighty legal issues. I've asked the attorney general about this over and over again. And each time he answers the question the same way. No one is above the law. But in this case, he will not be making that decision. It'll be this new special counsel who starts his job right away. In the room where that news just happened, Jeff Pegues, I want to go now to our senior White House and political correspondent, Ed O'Keefe. Ed, the first question on everyone's mind, what does the White House know? The White House did not know about this in advance. From the most junior press staffers closest to where we work to more senior aides deeper back in the West Wing, they insist there was no heads up given. They had no warning. And that is in keeping with a policy that's been in place since the beginning of the Biden administration. They made clear that Attorney General Garland and the Justice Department would handle these things and there would be no coordination or heads up given to White House officials. Important to point that out. And while they're preparing politically to take on former President Trump, the reason those church and state walls are in place is exactly for moments like this, so that there be no question about the potential White House interference in these ongoing investigations. Important to note that. Also notable that the Attorney General made clear part of the reason he's doing this, Jeff and Catherine have mentioned it, is because President Biden has signaled an intent to run for president. We should point out he hasn't made that decision yet formally, expected to come at some point either later this year or early next year. But of course, a big factor because the Attorney General could be summoned to the Oval Office for some other unrelated legal or national security reason at any time, and you'd want to remove any chance of meddling by either Side. Major. And Ed, would you anticipate any pushback, even at the margins from the White House, about this declaration from the Attorney General that in all likelihood the President will seek re-election? You mean that, that they would not dispute his decision to, to make this decision because uh, because they, for, for that very reason. They, they allowed him to have full discretion and full oversight of these matters, and, and they won't question him. I want to go now to Scott McFarlane, our congressional correspondent. Scott, the timing of this matters in terms of Capitol Hill. One majority in the House is about to expire. A new majority will come in. What do you think this means in terms of the view from the House majority outgoing and House majority incoming? Yeah, Major, the timing is imperative. I've spoken to a number of congressional sources, none of whom were shocked by this news, but all of 
courtroom underscored something important. This could insulate the attorney general from being called in front of this new Republican House majority and having to answer questions about the Mar-a-Lago probe or January 6th. This new Republican majority says they're going to investigate the Department of mm. Justice. Now Merrick Garland may be at least partially mm. inoculated from being called before cameras and answering their questions. Scott McFarland, thank you. With my thanks to Catherine Harridge, Jeff Begays, and Ed O'Keefe. Our coverage will continue on CBS News streaming your local news and tonight on the CBS Evening News. This has been a CBS News special report. I'm Major Garrett in Washington. Good day. We've been watching a CBS News special report. Attorney General Merrick Garland is appointing a special counsel connected to election interference and the Mar-a-Lago investigation. We have a team of contributors and reporters following these developments. Let's begin with our CBS News legal contributor, Jessica Levinson, joining us now. Um, Jessica, we heard from the attorney general. We heard him talk about the circumstances leading up to this point. Um, what's your reaction to what we just heard? My reaction is that this is an attorney general who still very much believes in and wants to resurrect other people's belief in the rule of law, the independence of the Department of Justice. He was very clear about why he thinks this is necessary. And I think he knows that there will be criticism where the question is basically, is this helping or hurting the Department of Justice? Does it make it look like they can't reach beyond politics, that they have to remove this investigation and give it to somebody else? Or is an acknowledgement that removing this from the Department of Justice, where, again, the attorney general is appointed by the president, who may again be a candidate, is that just an acknowledgement that you don't want even the appearance of impropriety? I thought he was very clear on why he thinks this is necessary, very clear on the scope of the investigation. And as we talked about before the announcement, it really does feel just inescapable that this is an acknowledgement that there are very real live issues in both investigations and that it is not at all beyond the realm of possibility that we could see an indictment in one or both of these investigations. A little bit of news that Attorney General Merrick Garland at least believes and has been told and thinks that President Biden will run for re-election. And again, that in part explains his decision here because he thinks it could be President Biden's attorney general leading an investigation against former President Donald Trump. And I think, again, that's why he said, OK, let's appoint a special counsel. So that that essentially answers the why mm -hmm. to tell us more about the who is CBS News chief national affairs and justice correspondent Jeff Begay's. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I, I know this was this is breaking news now, but, you know, we we. We want to know who Jack Smith is, and he has an extensive record uh, in the legal arena, but isn't even in this country as we speak, according to reports. What more can you tell us? Yeah, he is, at this time, we're told, traveling back from The Hague, where he has been investigating war crimes, and he is a seasoned prosecutor, no question about that, but the question of who is he, besides the headlines and his uh, CV, his resume, uh, that's what we're about to find out. He is not a household name. He is not someone that people around this country know. And so he has been thrust onto the national scene uh, in this very high-profile case. 
so his world, not only the legal one, but his personal life will change as well because there's going to be so much attention on him over the next several months as he investigates and makes decisions in these cases. And so his name, uh, he is, he is uh, a prosecutor who, uh, who has worked in Manhattan. He's worked in the Manhattan DA's office prosecuting sex crimes. Um, so he is someone who uh, we will get to know fairly quickly, and he's going to be the type of person who will be trying to avoid the cameras, but that's almost impossible when you're dealing with a case that involves the former president of the United States and this very weighty question about whether you are going to charge him. You heard the attorney general earlier talking about uh, potential uh, obstruction charges in a case like this. This and and so whether you have those charges actually brought against a former president, that is the question that the seasoned prosecutor now special counsel will have to decide. And Jeff, as someone who has covered this Justice Department for some time, I wonder if you could just give us a sense of how much pressure Merrick mm -hmm. Garland was facing and the factors weighing uh, into this decision. We heard the attorney general himself talk about the fact that, of course, the timing uh, was certainly something to note, that it is uh, notable that former President Trump announced he is running uh, in 2024. Mm -hmm. What kind of scrutiny and pressure on this particular Justice Department have there been? Well, it, this attorney general has been uh, under scrutiny really since the day he was confirmed and took office here because there was this perception that the former attorney general and the former Department of Justice under President Trump was too politicized. And so Merrick Garland, who, as you know, for most of his career has been a judge, his goal has been to sort of remove the Department of Justice from that perception of being uh, politicized. And so everything he has done uh, has been along those lines. And I think sometimes people forget this is someone who is not a politician. Sometimes you have attorney generals coming from Congress, but he is not a politician. You can tell that in the way that he answers questions, the way that he relates to the media, but also in the way that he looks at the law. He is someone who has been asked many times some of those questions, many of those questions from me, about this very serious question, you know, to, to, to have the courage to bring charges against a former president. This is something that uh, no one would take lightly, but it was dropped into his lap with all of these investigations, whether it's the January 6th investigation or the classified records case. Uh, so these are very weighty decisions. And Attorney General uh, Garland uh, has come at these cases uh, in terms of how do the laws of the land apply to these alleged violations? He, again, he is a judge. He's not a politician. And I think this decision to bring in a special counsel uh, is really true to form for him. Because if you look at how all of this developed over the last 
couple of weeks, it really seemed to accelerate. You know, there was this flurry of activity after the search of Mar-a-Lago, but then the special master was brought in. That kind of slowed things down. We'd heard uh, talk over the last couple of months that former President Trump was going to throw his hat into the ring, the thinking being that this could disrupt or that idea of declaring uh, yourself a candidate for president could disrupt or even derail uh, investigations like these. But this move by the attorney general, it certainly uh, clears the way uh, for this special counsel to be buffeted a little from some of the politics. He, he will now get the, the brunt of the scrutiny, and it really buffets the attorney general from the politics. Uh, but it is a way of maintaining the credibility of the case, especially uh, in the eyes of someone who has spent most of his career as a judge. And of course, I'm referring to Merrick Garland. All right, Jeff Begays, I know you have to get going. Jeff, thank you so much. Let's bring in CBS News senior White House and political correspondent Ed O'Keefe joining us now from the White House. And Ed, we had seen President Biden in an event just before Merrick Garland's announcement. Um, it was a pre-scheduled event with business leaders talking about inflation and the economy. Somebody then, seemed to get to get a tip. Well, and then he got asked a question, did not have an answer. So what do we know, Ed, about the behind the scenes? Did the president know? Did they have a heads up that this was coming? We have asked uh, multiple aides here at the White House whether there was any heads up given by the Justice Department, and the answer is no. Uh, that is in keeping with a policy that's been in place since the beginning of the Biden administration, that all matters related to the former president and most other Justice Department matters were going to be handled by the Justice Department and their teams, and that there would be no formal heads up given to the White House on these kinds of matters. Because you don't want to, from a legal perspective, you don't also want to now for a political or PR perspective, so that the accusations that perhaps the White House is meddling can be removed entirely. Uh, so from the most junior aides that sit closest to us to others uh, further back in the building and who work in the administration, uh, it was pretty clear they did not know about this ahead of the news reports that surfaced. Um, and I thought it was notable that you heard the attorney general there say, because the former president has announced he's running again, and because the current president has signaled an intent to run again, he wanted to remove himself from any uh, involvement with this uh, with this ongoing case. Remember, former, sorry, current President Biden has not formally launched a 2024 re-election bid, but he has said in interviews, he has said in other public statements that he is uh, preparing or anticipating a run. He just has to have some more conversations with his family about it. We anticipate a potential formal announcement later this year or early next year. So if you're the attorney general, as Jeff was laying out, a non-political figure, mm -hmm. you want to remove yourself from all accusations of bias uh, or political favoritism or accusation that President Biden's attorney general is forcing the former president to be put, uh, put through this criminal process. Um, and, and so, you know, th this will allow that to go on but have Garland, in essence, be able to continue dealing with the White House in whatever way he might have to and not face any questions about whether he discussed this with the president or other senior officials since he's not the one making the decision. For yeah. example, I can remember a few weeks ago there was a cabinet meeting, and the way the cabinet table is set up in the cabinet room, the attorney general sits right across from the president. So, you know, what's to say that at the end of that meeting somebody couldn't accuse him of maybe sticking around and discussing these things? No. 
That's not what's happening. That's not what's designed to happen now, given this decision, because he can't do that. He has no information on it other than, as he said, to provide all the resources that the new special counsel will need to make his determination. And just to be clear, Ed, the reference to the tip was for the reporter and not certainly the, the, uh, the Biden president, uh, President Biden, I should say. Um, thank you for that. Um, CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarlane is also on uh, with us at this time. Republicans flipped the House in the midterms. Um, did the DOG, DOJ rather feel like it needed to act more quickly because, because of that? I think the timing is imperative here. The attorney general didn't mention that as one of the reasons or the criteria for his decision, but it's clearly important. We're hearing that from our congressional sources. With the Republicans poised to take control of the U.S. House January 3rd, and with the Republicans promising a robust investigation into this Justice Department, Merrick Garland may have inoculated himself. He may have made it less likely he is called to testify before those panels and answer questions about Mar-a-Lago or the January 6th probes. Garland can now simply say, I've appointed a special counsel. Those questions are better directed towards Jack Smith. It takes some of the arrows out of the quiver of a House majority Republican Party that has made unambiguous this is going to be among their first priorities to investigate the Department of Justice, including its handling of January 6th matters. So the timing is important here, even if it wasn't part of the criteria or the rationale. There's a real-world impact, not just for the Department of Justice, but for the Attorney General himself. All right, Scott, thank you. For more on this, let's bring in CBS News Homeland Security and Justice reporter Nicole Skanga now. Uh, Nicole, welcome. So have we seen a situation like this happen before? Elaine, good to be with you. Now, Garland's appointment, as we've been pointing out, a way of sort of shielding him from potential conflict of interest or appearance of that. And this is pretty novel, right? We are talking about potential criminal charges uh, waged against a former president of the United States, who, by the way, earlier this week, as we've been talking about, also uh, put his uh, hat in the ring as a potential contender for 2024. You know, at the same time, this is what a special counsel was designed to do right. Special counsels are semi-independent prosecutors. They're appointed to oversee high-level investigations where, again, you know, it could be sticky for a current attorney general. Now, we should point out that Mr. Trump is no stranger to special counsel investigations. He came under scrutiny during his administration uh, under special counsel Robert Mueller, who, of course, investigated links between his 2016 campaign and Russia. But there are some differences. For instance, during uh, this, the Mueller investigation, uh, former President Trump was in office. And while it was more challenging, or it is more challenging, for a special counsel to be fired by a sitting president, that was still on the table, and that created some tension between the Justice Department and the White House at the time. Also, we should point out that as opposed to that investigation, you know, the criminal investigations that we are talking about right now into the events leading up to January 6th and the handling of classified documents have been ongoing. There's a lot of investigative work that has already been performed now by federal authorities. So the question becomes how much new uh, investigative work will Jack Smith do and his team move forward, or will he rely on much of what federal prosecutors have already dug up? You know, I, I have to ask a number of people have 
have questioned the motive behind uh, former President Donald Trump's entry into the race, uh, being that his candidacy might shield him in some respect. He has, you know, this, not necessarily the bully pulpit, but but um, Rebecca, I, I just have to ask, you know, how much of a factor was the decision with him entering the race and the sort of like swing of, of these two things happening all at once? So I don't know. I don't know um, how much of it factored into his decision. But as you said, it's certainly true that the um, timing makes it such that this announcement um, it doesn't shield him, but it gives him more bows in his quiver, right? He can argue now that any effort to go after him for January 6th is an effort to destroy a political rival who's posing a threat to the sitting president who wants to run a second time. And so, you know, I, it has to have factored in on some level into the strategic decision to make his announcement now. And um, as you're speaking, Rebecca, I see that we've just received a statement um, from the special counsel. Nicole, if you're still with us, I wonder if you have that to share with us. Jack Smith is a name that was not familiar necessarily um, to many people. In fact, uh, as we heard the attorney general himself lay out, uh, this is someone who has experience in many arenas, including yes. prosecuting war crimes. And so he's on his way back. Um, Jessica, if you are with us, um, I'm told you're, you're there, Jessica Levinson, our CBS News um, legal contributor. We see this statement now from the special counsel saying, quote, I intend to conduct the assigned investigations and any prosecutions that may result from them independently and in the best traditions of the Department of Justice. The pace of the investigations will not pause or flag under my watch. I will exercise independent judgment and will move the investigations forward expeditiously and thoroughly to whatever outcome the facts and the law dictate. You talked about this earlier. What does this move by the Attorney General now appointing the special counsel suggest about Merrick Garland's belief in the strength of its developing investigations on both these fronts. Well, and what's interesting in that statement is, of course, the word independent. And we saw that explicitly, and we see that in other ways in the statement, saying over and over again, I am not going to answer to anybody. This is not going to be a political calculation. This will be a situation, and I think he said it word for word, where the facts and the law dictate my decision here. What does it indicate about the investigations? We did touch on this before, where it just escapes common sense to think that this is anything other than a statement that the investigations are ongoing, that they're very live, and that they could potentially lead to criminal charges. If these investigations are really largely winding down, if there's no chance that there could be an indictment, then I'm not sure that you have the same need for a special counsel Again, to look at both the Mar-a-Lago case dealing with the retention of documents and the January 6th investigation dealing with thwarting the peaceful transfer of power. So again, I think it really indicates to us that the special counsel has a lot of work to do, meaning there are still facts that they're looking at, there's still witnesses that they're investigating, and that there is a very real chance, not at all a guarantee, but a very real chance that there could be an indictment in one or both of these cases. I want to go to uh, CBS News legal contributor, Rebecca Rofi, who joins us now. Uh, you're a former prosecutor. We know former President Trump has been a target of the investigation. Uh, 
who else could be implicated in all of this? You know, I think there was a big question mark at the end of the January 6 hearings about who else might have been involved in certain decisions that were made and uh, how they were involved. And the question mark came from the fact that many of them did not testify either, were not subpoenaed, but for the most part uh, chose not to testify before Congress. And so uh, I think there are two sets of people, really, advisors like Roger Stone and Steve Bannon. How involved were they? Did they, were there any connections between the pro protesters who turned violent that day and those individuals and then connections between those individuals and the former president. And another question that really interests me is the lawyers, because um, lingering in the background of this story is Rudy Giuliani, who is working hard on the elector scheme, um, John Eastman, who was his lawyer who appeared at that rally and also um, interacted with, uh, with the um, vice president's aide, and how much was he involved? and whether there are any, there's any criminal exposure for him. And finally, there was Jeffrey Clark, who was the attorney at the Department of Justice, who, um, if you remember, was sort of poised to take over and do the president's bidding in terms of suggesting that there was a case about election fraud when there was absolutely no facts or no facts to support that. So I think those are a set of people that could be caught in the dragnet. I think it's hard to know because, of course, um, you know, there are facts we just don't know. You know, connections that were impossible to make despite the very extensive amount of evidence. Hey there, welcome back. <laughs> Space gun. Did Elon Musk kill the bird app? Tony Michaels. This is five hours ago. The deep, deep dark right wing with that is what Twitter is about to become. <laughs> At least for the time being, as Space Karen's reign over Twitter continues. It's authoritarian rule. It's, it's what it is. It was a publicly traded company. Special counsel was revealed. This is Midas Touch, streamed one hour ago. Live inside Merrick Garland, special prosecutor of Trump crimes announcement. Influencers on Instagram have a deep, dark secret about how they make money selling their art. And I want to show it to you because if you're... Hey, Merrick Garland just announced the decision to appoint a special prosecutor to investigate Trump's potential crimes relating to potential. January 6th and Trump's crimes for stealing government records, including top secret records, and obstructing that investigation. The special prosecutor, Attorney General Merrick Garland, has appointed is someone by the name of Jack Smith, a career prosecutor with the Department nice of Justice. And before that, he worked at the Manhattan DA's office and most recently a war crimes prosecutor at The Hague. Yes, 
Attorney right. General Merrick Garland has appointed Excellent. a war crimes prosecutor <laughs> nice. as the special prosecutor <laughs> to investigate Trump's potential Fucking crimes awesome. and make a final decision whether to charge Donald Trump. With us well, today is Karen Friedman Agnifilo, an attorney who worked at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for almost 30 years. She was the number two deputy at the Manhattan DA's office, so she knows Jack Smith. She All works right. with Jack Smith. And we will hear for the first time on the Midas Touch Network, you are not getting this anywhere else, direct information about who Jack Smith is, what type of prosecutor he is, from someone who actually knows Jack Smith. Karen Friedman Agnifilo is also the host of Legal AF on the Midas Touch Network. Karen Friedman Agnifilo, welcome to this Great special to edition. Great to be here. So first, before getting into Jack Smith's background and what you know of Jack Smith, let's play the clip today where Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the decision to bring in a special prosecutor and why he would be bringing in a special prosecutor to investigate Trump's potential crimes. Play the clip. Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election, and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. Such an, uh, an appointment underscores the department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters. It also allows prosecutors and agents to continue their work expeditiously and to make decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. Then Attorney General Merrick Garland announced who would be the special prosecutor, Jack Smith, and then talked about Jack Smith's impeccable legal background. Let's play that clip. Investigation. Today, I signed an order appointing Jack Smith to serve as special counsel. The order authorizes him to continue the ongoing investigation into both of the matters that I have just described and to prosecute any federal crimes that may arise from those investigations. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. He began his prosecutorial career in 1994 as an assistant district attorney with the New York County DA's office. In 1999, he became an assistant U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York, where over the course of nine years, he prosecuted matters ranging from gang murders of police officers to civil rights violations. From 2008 to 2010, he served with the International Criminal Court, where he supervised war crimes investigations. In 2010, Mr. Smith returned to the Justice Department to serve as Chief of the Public Integrity Section, where he led a team of more than 30 prosecutors who handled public corruption and election crimes cases across the United States. All right. In 2015, he agreed to serve as the first assistant U.S. attorney for the Middle District of Tennessee, later becoming the acting United States attorney. Most recently, Mr. Smith served as a chief prosecutor for the special court in The Hague, charged with investigating and adjudicating war crimes in Kosovo. Mr. Smith will begin his work as special counsel immediately and will be returning to the United States from The Hague. 
So two points I want to make before bringing Karen Friedman Agnifilo in here to talk about Jack Smith. First, whether you like Merrick Garland or don't like Merrick Garland, and I see a lot of comments saying Merrick Garland punted, fire Merrick Garland. Let's take that position for a second, Karen. If you don't like Merrick Garland, you should be happy about this decision because he's appointing a special prosecutor who's not Merrick Garland. He's appointing a very successful and diligent war crimes prosecutor. So if you didn't like Merrick Garland, you should be high-fiving right now that we got someone else who's doing the prosecution, right? And if you like Merrick Garland, you would say this is typical Merrick Garland, which is why some people don't like it sometimes. It's the right legal call. He's not doing anything that would in any way kind of jeopardize the impartiality of the Department of Justice. He knows there is an able person in Jack Smith to uh, engage in this, uh, in this investigative effort. Unfortunately, it's one of the strangest things in the world that you have a former guy. I don't even want to call him a former P word, but the former guy who's brought so much disgrace to this country, who continues to engage in criminal conduct in open and obvious ways, who just announced in a humiliating press event that he held earlier in this week that he would be running for uh, president again, and where you have the Department of Justice, which is an arm of the executive branch, Biden's executive branch, and Biden will be running. I think for the legacy of the Department of Justice, it was a hard decision for Merrick Garland to make, but he had to make that decision. But if you don't like Merrick Garland, it's great. We got Jack Smith. <laughs> um, so that's the first point um, I want to make there. And then the second point I want to make is that, look, Merrick Garland has handled the investigations of Trump thus far before the appointment of this special prosecutor very diligently. And look, everybody here seems to be a fan of the January 6th committee. I am. But get, take, take this as an example. During the January 6th committee, remember Pat Cipollone and some of these other witnesses who testified, um, they weren't able to answer certain questions because of executive privilege. Do you remember during the hearings, they would say, oh, I can't answer that. That's because the January 6th committee, based on their mandate and the time frame, was not able to really file any motions to overcome an assertion by Trump, a BS assertion of executive privilege. But guess what? The Department of Justice has been fighting in secret. And you may say, oh, Ben, it's secret. Well, criminal grand juries, take place in secret. So we don't get to see the work that Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice has done up until this point. But we do know there are two criminal grand juries in Washington, D.C. that have been very busy where the Department of Justice just recently, like in the past month, has gotten favorable rulings that Trump can't assert executive privilege. So for all the people who say, look, he should have prosecuted him three months ago or four months ago. I would have loved that to be the case. I, 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 that'd be great. But let's play it out. So you call Pat Cipollone. You call Patrick Philbin. You call Mark Short, Vice President Pence's chief, uh, former chief of staff. You call Greg Jacobs, former Vice President uh, Pence's former general counsel. You call the people to the stand. Your Honor, I'm calling Pat Cipollone. Cipollone takes the stand. And then the prosecutor asks the question, Mr. Cipollone, 
What did Donald Trump tell you? Please, Mr. Cipollone. And what does Cipollone say? I, I can't answer that executive privilege. And then the judge looks at the prosecutor and says, did you address this issue? Uh, no, we didn't, because everybody on Twitter wanted us to file the lawsuit four months ago. I'm sorry, Judge. We, we had to bring this to trial because everyone on social media was, was angry at Merrick Garland. No, you have to go through the steps. And, and, and I hate that those steps exist. I wish I, I'm rooting for Trump to be prosecuted far sooner, but we have to go through the steps. And the Department of Justice has filed the motions. They've gone through it in every step they're supposed to take they've recently got favorable rulings and they've gotten testimony no one else has gotten not fulton county district attorney Fonnie willis not the january 6th committee the doj has that and now they hand this over to jack smith and jack smith someone who investigates and prosecutes war crimes most recently in kosovo is the person you want on this and so that's how I view it, Karen. But you know Jack Smith, so you know Jack. So tell us about Jack. <laughs> so Jack and I started around the same time at the Manhattan DA's office. And, and the Manhattan DA's office is a big place, and they group you in these small... We came up together, we were trained by the same people, and we worked on cases together. And Jack, so I, I do know Jack, uh, and he is a prosecutor's prosecutor. Even back then in, in the 90s, he had one of the reputations in the office of being a superstar and of being one of the best uh, lawyers in the office. And he's also, by the way, just a great guy and a really nice person. But he has a reputation, and, I, and I've known him for now for almost 30 years. He is somebody who is, like I said, he's a, he's a prosecutor's prosecutor. He is the guy who knows how to not just investigate a case, but make a case. And he, if anyone was worried whether Merrick Garland was prosecuting Donald Trump and investigating and prosecuting Donald Trump by, by asking Jack Smith, to take over and to hand the reins over to him, I no longer have any doubt that Donald Trump will be prosecuted if there is a case to be made. Also, Jack Smith would not have taken this position. I, I, I don't have inside information, but just knowing him, he would not have taken this if this was not a serious investigation that could lead to prosecution if that's where the evidence leads. So this is a great signal and great sign for the cases because it means that there is a very significant, serious, non-political, non-partisan investigation going on because that's Jack Smith. Jack Smith, he's worked both in the Eastern District of New York at the U.S. Attorney's Office where he was a supervisor and he led lots of uh, trials and prosecutions there. He also worked for Maine Justice where he investigated, supervised, and prosecuted some of the biggest public corruption cases in the United States. And yes, he's also gone to The Hague and most recently Kosovo for war crimes. But his deep background in prosecution is public corruption, white collar crime, and crime in general. And he is the guy who will bring cases without fear or favor. He is the guy who will put politics aside. I don't even know what his politics are because that's the kind of guy Jack is. He doesn't do things for political reasons. 
He follows the facts where they lead, and he has no problem bringing cases if a crime was committed. And so just both, like I said, the appointment of Jack Smith means Merrick Garland is serious, and that if there is a case to be made, they will make the case. And the fact that Jack accepted this position, I think, is a great sign for justice and a great sign that this will be investigated to its fullest and it will be prosecuted if that's where the facts lead but you know one thing i just want to say about about what you were saying ben which is so important which is when you are investigating a case you do have to it's like pulling threads you know and you, you have to pull every single thread and that's clearly what Merrick garland's department of justice has been doing up until this point but you know you can investigate something to death at a certain point you have to also make a case and being able to, you know, there are some there are some uh, prosecutors who are great investigators, but they're not great case makers. Jack Smith is a great case maker, so he will he will do this case, and he will uh, do a great job on this case. And wherever it lands, I will feel confident that it was the right thing and the, the only thing that that it could um, that could be done here. Also, I want to just say that um, I give Merrick Garland a lot of credit for appointing a special prosecutor because it's so clear that Donald Trump, you know, the only reason he announced uh, that he's running again is hoping that he won't be prosecuted. I think he can clearly see and feel uh, the circle closing in around him. And he, he's hoping that he, by, by throwing his hat in, obviously, that, you know, he can say all the things he always says, you know, witch hunt, political, all this other stuff. So by, again, pointing someone who's uh, just nonpartisan prosecutor's prosecutor, special prosecutor like Jack Smith, that is that is one of the great decisions. And I, I really give Merrick Garland a lot of credit for that. It's just a fantastic decision. You know, as I see some of the comments and some of the posts on social media that are very critical, would be putting it lightly, of Merrick Garland's decision here, people saying Merrick Garland punted and why in the world do we now have this special prosecutor? I think a lot of people have Robert Mueller PTSD. Um, and to your point, Karen, in Mueller, you had someone who marshaled all of these investigative resources, um, but ultimately was not a case maker and was kind of, this would be putting it nicely, too cute by half or too smart by half, trying to like put in the footnotes a roadmap for later uh, uh, people to come along and say, hey, we should prosecute him for that, but really didn't understand the assignment. But in stark contrast to a Robert Mueller, right, you have Jack Smith. Um, and Jack Smith is someone, as you state, who builds cases for prosecutions and has done that his right. entire so career. His entire career. And so for those people who think, oh, this is going to delay things, it's the opposite. He's going to go, I mean, this, this case is being investigated. He's going to come in and he's going to take everything that's been done and turn it into a case. So to me, this is the opposite of delay. This is now we can go and we can make this case because it's not like the people who've been working on this case are going to stop working on this case. They'll be assigned to him, I'm sure. It's just that it won't be Merrick Garland as the ultimate prosecutor. It'll be Jack Smith, who, who's the special prosecutor in charge of, of directing 
the investigation of telling people what to do next, where to go, making the decisions, for example, of who to immunize and who not to immunize and, and you know, who to put in the grand jury, who to give a deal to and, you know, make, make tough decisions. And frankly, if, if it turns out that there is no case to be made, Jack Smith can make that kind of tough decision too. He will do the right thing because that is who he is and this if anything will make this go faster not slower because he is a rock star case maker so what do you think comes by the way next, he's, he's Karen, also jack smith he's also yeah go ahead you're gonna say he's, a, he's is he a good trialer yes i was also gonna say he's a great trialer so if this case goes to trial he's fantastic he, he can handle he can go up against anybody and that's what you need so walk us all through Thank the process God. now of, of what happens next. So Merrick oh, Garland acts yes. decisively. You have Trump's humiliating <laughs> announcement early in the week. And Merrick Garland it's realized in that time. kind of, I don't know if you can call it a cat and mouse game when Trump is a, okay, a cat and a rotten rat game, the, you know, which is like the cat and mouse of move, counter fucking... move. And all of Trump's moves always appear to be leading pot. to just further incriminating himself. But Merrick Garland acted decisively. Criminal, he makes this announcement today. And so, you know, he had been pondering Trump's the decision fuck. to appoint a uh, special prosecutor uh, before Trump makes the announcement. He's got a call Jack Smith and say, hey, if you, you free, can you come back from The Hague, you know, over here? Jack Smith agrees to do it. They hold the press conference today. What, what happens next? Does Jack Smith show up in an office that's that's ready for him? Does he get a team? Does he start getting the files from the grand jury? Like, like what literally is going to actually take place over the next few weeks and months? Yeah, so exactly what you just said. He'll get a budget. He'll get a team. He'll get some of the people who are already working on it. He'll get to review all of the files, all of the materials, and everything that's been done so far, all the secret information and secret materials that none of us have seen, you know, whether there's um, grand jury material or stuff that they've received in search warrants or subpoenas, whether it's phone records, you know, whether there's been any any sort of investigatory um information that has that's been developed over time uh, he will have access to all of that and he will also have access to resources to decide okay i want more you know go go follow this lead down okay this one's a dead end don't do this anymore we need more resources over here you know he'll 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 have access to start making those decisions i am sure there are a lot of decisions that need to be made that have been on hold because of the the midterm elections and donald trump's announcement so i'm sure one of the first things they're going to do after they um catch him up is is have him make whatever whatever decisions have been uh at, you know been on hold about you know the really tough decisions i mean we know the investigations have really been you know kind of climbing up the chain trying to get to the top and so that's where the really tough decisions are because now they're going to have to start uh deciding okay are we going to maybe um maybe flip somebody so that they will cooperate against somebody higher than them, which is how it's normally done. And, and those are tough decisions because you're, you're letting someone who committed a crime get away with it or at least get a lesser punishment for it uh, in order to get someone, you know, get a bigger fish, you know, the way prosecutors 
done since the beginning of time. You know, the people always criticize, you know, Sammy the Bull, who got five years for 25 murders. I, I don't remember if that's exactly what it is, but something like that, you know, to get the top uh, mafia boss. So, you know, and that, that's what you ha- that's what how you do it. And so he's going to have to make decisions about, you know, whether or not you um, you flip some of the the people that you talked about earlier, you know, those the lawyers, you know, the the Rudy Giuliani's and, and his crew, you know, those types of people, um, and, and the people who were in positions of of authority to see, or at least give them immunity, you know, to see if, if they would cooperate and testify against him. So he's going to be making those types of difficult decisions, I think, because that that's where that's where we are. He'll also be making decisions about whether to prosecute some of these these people, you know. So I I suspect. Um, I suspect that we're going to be seeing a lot of activity, a flurry of activity in the coming uh, in the coming weeks about uh, both the Mar-a-Lago uh, classified documents investigation and the January 6th insurrection. And we're going to know a lot more about where they're headed based on um, activities that we will see publicly. Look, I am not an Attorney General Merrick Garland apologist, but I need to push back on some of the falsehoods that are just out there about the Department of Justice's investigation. People act like Merrick Garland hasn't been doing anything, and all of a sudden he's just realizing, oh, do I need to do something with Donald Trump? That couldn't be further from the truth. There are at least two secret grand juries in Washington, D.C., that we know of, that have been issuing subpoenas by the dozens. Subpoenas and search warrants and getting phones and going through all of these records and all of this information. And then when you have to, here's, I'll rewind for one second and just say this too. Because Donald Trump was a former president, even though his arguments about things like executive privilege are completely without merit, nonetheless, the awesome powers that our Constitution has vested in the presidency permits Trump to delay and make arguments that nobody else could possibly make. And that's why it is delayed longer. Like when Trump makes a claim, a bogus claim for executive privilege. The people who work for him, like Pat Cipollone, his former top lawyer, and Patrick Fillman, Cipollone's top deputy, and all the other people, like Mark Short, former Vice President Pence's former chief of staff, and Greg Jacobs, the former general counsel, to former VP Pence, all these people have to follow it. So what ends up happening is they get subpoenaed, they show up like over the summer, to uh, have their testimony taken before a grand jury. They're compelled to invoke these privileges, which are bogus. The Department of Justice has to file motions. Those motions can't be heard overnight. That's just not the way our legal system works. It's unfortunate, but there's a motion calendar. There's a schedule that gets heard. It gets heard before the judge who oversees the grand juries, Judge Beryl Howell. And Judge Beryl Howell rules in favor of the Department of Justice. Then the Department of Justice has to compel those same people to testify again before the grand jury, get the additional testimony, and they have to do that with each person. 
And so if you don't want the Department of Justice to do that, you will wind up in a scenario, like I said earlier in this recording, where the Department of Justice calls a witness and says, Your Honor, we got to get the show on the road here because social media wants us to get the show on the road. And we just know, we know Trump is guilty. Come on. We all know that. So what are we even doing here, Judge? So so we're starting trial. We're ready to go. Okay, you're ready to go. Call your first witness. We call Pat Cipollone because we know Cipollone, Trump's lawyer, is going to give the blockbuster testimony that's going to show the intent element. So Cipollone takes the stand and the Department of Justice goes, so, Mr. Cipollone, what did Trump say to you on January 6th? And Cipollone goes, executive privilege. But your honor, your honor, force him to answer. The judge will go, uh, Department of Justice, did you file your executive privilege motions? No, 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 we didn't do that. Well, why didn't you do that? Social media, social media said we need to we, we, we need to just get the show on the road right away. And that's why we did it. Look, I am frustrated that the process is taking slow, but objectively looking at it, they are going through the necessary steps that they actually have to take to make sure that when a trial takes place, they have that evidence before them. And then I see people say sometimes, well, if this was anybody else other than Trump, we'd be indicted tomorrow. Of course you would be, because you were not a former president of the United States who used the machinery of our Constitution against us because in 2016, a huge part of our population said, you know what, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, whatever, roll the dice, let's just get the authoritarian and see how that works out. And so that is something that is important to reflect on, that when someone is vested with awesome powers, as a former president is, they can make those objections. And the work has been done to file all of these motions to get around it. So here is uh, a question I want to pose to you, uh, Karen. Do you believe, let's just react to some of the comments, too much pressure on Merrick Garland. He couldn't handle it. What do you say to that? I think that people don't understand how uh, much politics, and, and I, I mean just people claiming that a investigation or prosecution is political, how much that can tarnish a criminal prosecution and investigation. People have to believe in the case. You have to believe that the case has integrity. And any time that you have uh, somebody that you're investigating who just declared that they are running and they're from a different party, there at least is the appearance of impropriety or the appearance of a conflict of interest. And, and Donald Trump could make the argument that this is political because Merrick Garland was appointed by Joe Biden, obviously. So, and, and Joe Biden potentially at least his party is going to run up is going to run against Donald Trump. And so you just don't you, you both don't you don't want to have the appearance of a conflict of interest. You also don't want to set up a scenario where where if if there's a Republican um, president next, you know, then they're going to investigate 
Biden because you know it's just gonna you're gonna go back and forth constantly uh, and and investigate your predecessor. You just don't want to get into you don't want to. To me, I've always said you don't want to infect criminal prosecution with politics. It's just they don't belong together. You know, po- uh, prosecutions and cr- and investigation and prosecution of crimes really should be without fear or favor, and it should have nothing to do with what political party you are or who you are. And so I think Merrick Garland had to do this and had to make this independent because you have to, if there is a prosecution, we, the whole country has to believe in it and it can't appear to be political. Even if it's not political, there is always that appearance. And so he had to do this. This has nothing to do with being afraid. What's there to be afraid of, by the way? You know, when you prosecute cases, you prosecute um, powerful big people all the time. So there, I don't know why he would be afraid to do this. So I, that to me doesn't seem to to resonate at all. This is the right decision. And and if there's a case to be made, Jack Smith is the guy who will do it. Where any charges? Karen, the next question, no I'll let you charges. answer, even though it's yeah. directed at me. Hey, Ben, instead of rambling on, can you please answer our questions? How long will it take Jack to get up to speed? And Karen, you believe that it's going to go faster because Jack Smith's involved now, huh? Getting up to speed is not that hard, especially if you're somebody who has supervised criminal investigations, uh, you know, for their entire career. When, when I was the chief assistant at the Manhattan DA's office, I supervised, you know, thousands of cases every year. And, and people would come to you and ask you to make decisions. And I don't know the case the way they did, but I had the judgment because I've been prosecuting cases for, for decades to know the questions I need to ask and the information I need in order to make decisions. And so it's not going to take Jack more than a couple of weeks to get up to speed and know these facts as well as anybody else but also to be able to make decisions during that time about what needs to happen because he has a very very deep knowledge and experience that will guide him and he will know exactly how to answer questions quickly so that again i'm not worried at all Karen, I want to remind all of our viewers and listeners out there that you worked at the Manhattan DA's office for almost 30 years. You were the number two ranking person in the Manhattan DA's office. You were the number two deputy in one of the most, if not the most distinguished prosecutorial office in the country. And you worked with Jack Smith. And so this isn't Ben rambling, although... Maybe it's a little Ben rambling, but I brought Karen Friedman Agnifilo on, who knows Jack, who knows Jack Smith, who worked with Jack Smith. So she knows Jack Smith not just by reputation, but by his actual acumen as a prosecutor, the work he did in the Manhattan DA's office, in the community of lawyers in New York, and Karen Friedman Agnipolo, who oversees thousands and thousands of lawyers at the Manhattan DA's office. She also knows how these prosecutions work. And that's why it's not just me and someone just saying, hey, this is how we feel today. That's not what we do on the Midas Touch Network. We look at the objective data. We talk about where we're at. And we provide you with the facts. And these are just what the facts are. Karen, you know, with that background, so all our new viewers know your background who don't know about your background, here's a question that someone asked. And they go, why is the attorney general so incompetent 
that they can't bring this home. Why do they have to pass this off? This whole social media argument you're making, Ben, is a straw man. What do you say to that, Karen? I, I think if, if Donald Trump hadn't announced that he was running uh, on the 15th, I don't think we would be here. But the minute Donald Trump, look, Donald Trump, I don't know if he actually is running or not, but it's so clear that the reason he declared his candidacy is so that he he knows that the Joe Biden's Justice Department would have at least an appearance of a conflict of interest if if he declares his candidacy. So he, so that was his game that he's playing so that he doesn't get prosecuted because he sees that the circle is closing in on him. And so Merrick Garland had to do this. But, you know, Merrick Garland saw this game. It's like a game of chess. Everybody knew Trump was going to announce and Merrick Garland knew why he was doing this. And so Merrick Garland, we've been hearing about the potential for a special prosecutor for weeks now, knowing that this was coming because Merrick Garland yeah, knew that Trump that is what has to be done given the, like at least the week. potential or the appearance of a conflict of interest. And so he was prepared. And I'm sure he's been talking. I'm sure he didn't just pick up the phone and call Jack today. I'm sure he's been, you know, interviewing people and talking to various people and trying to find who would be the best person for this job because this this is obviously this is a um, fraught with peril position, right? This is you're going to he's going to be attacked by Donald Trump. He's going to be dragged through the mud by Donald Trump. They're going to make all these accusations about him. So they had to pick someone who's the real deal. I, I, I challenge people to to find somebody who can say something negative about Jack Smith's uh, professional abilities. He is a prosecutor's prosecutor. In addition to beginning and training and learning at the Manhattan DA's office, he went on to absolute incredible career success that he earned himself. He worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, in in the Eastern District of New York, where he supervised many, many, many cases. He um, made cases. He tried cases. I mean, he's done everything from violent crime to white collar crime to sex crimes. I mean, Jack's done everything. He also then worked for um, the ICC in The Hague, the International Criminal Court, where he prosecuted war crimes. He's also then came back and worked at the uh, Department of Justice, and he um, was the supervisor for the entire United States of America for all the prosecutions of public corruption, including election fraud. So he has experience in, in both investigating and prosecuting and making cases of public corruption. And that's exactly uh, what he needs to be able to do. And the insurrection is a violent crime. I mean, he has the whole experience, the white collar, the public corruption and the violent crime experience. And you've got all three of those here. And so in the end, you know, he, I, and now he's, I think, the, the chief of the Kosovo, you know, the international Kosovo um, prosecution, you know, so he, he's not just known in New York or respected in New York. He's respected in the entire United States. And he's respected, frankly, in the entire world, because he has supervised prosecutions in the international criminal court, the federal courts all across this country. He was also, I, I forgot, he was the, the um, acting United States attorney in Tennessee, and he was also a local prosecutor. So this guy, you know, I keep saying it over and over again, but he's a prosecutor's prosecutor. This is the real deal. He's the best one that they could find. Uh, and and this, to me, is a, a signal that a case, if a case can be made, it will be made and it will be made hopefully soon.
So to use a trite sport analogy, we got essentially the LeBron James in his prime of prosecutors here who have been appointed. And as I've said, look, if you don't like Merrick Garland, if you think that Merrick Garland is weak and that Merrick Garland was not the right person to handle this, and that's and that's how you feel about it. Um, I think this should be welcome news for you because, as Karen said, as a 30-year prosecutor, and Karen's someone who has run the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. She's the number two there, so she knows about how these cases work. There is not um, going to be any delay at all caused by this. This is a handing of the baton, and somebody like Jack Smith will be easily able to jump into this right away. So there's no delay, and that's coming not from just me. That's coming from Karen Friedman Agnifilo, who actually did and, and, and does these things. So that's number one. And number two, if you don't like Merrick Garland, now you've replaced Merrick Garland with a prosecutor Yay. who builds cases successfully here and abroad against war criminals and has handled some of the top investigations um, and criminal prosecutions here. So I just think whether you are or aren't a Garland fan, this news isn't bad news. You know, it's just you know, an update and provides additional data on where these investigations are going. And Karen, after everything you've said about Jack Smith and the type of prosecutions that Jack Smith has in his career, Jack Smith seems to be the type of person you'd want right now in this situation. And you've said, based on all of your experience, and by the way, Karen, for people who watch Legal AF, you've been critical of Merrick Garland, like you haven't been like, like this isn't for, for you. If you go back and watch lots of legal IFs, you're one of the more critics, critical voices yeah. out there about Merrick Garland. Yeah. But you view this move with all of the criticisms you've had, you view this move from the lens of being a veteran prosecutor that you are to go, wow, this actually was the right move. And it seems like this is actually showing that they want to prosecute, that they're going to, that they're going in the right direction. Yeah, no, I look, I I shared uh, many people's frustration, first of all, that there was that, that first year that it didn't seem like they were really serious about getting to the top people uh, in the January 6th insurrection. And, you know, of course, the 800 or so prosecutions of the lower, um, I would call them lower level people, um, although they are violent, horrible criminals and deserve to be prosecuted. Um, but, you know, until the, until the, um, the, Congress did the Jan 6 hearings, it doesn't seem like the Justice Department really was taking the insurrection seriously. And so that was where most of my frustration came from, is I felt that there was, we lost some time and lost some ground. But but the, the, but the hearings d definitely seemed to have caused things to ramp up in um, the various investigations. And, you know, the frustration, though, that, that I was feeling is, it's not that, you know, Take whatever time you need. I, I agree that that prosecutions and investigations take a lot of time, but um, but you know the um, but at a certain point you have to build a case, and at a certain point you have to you know you have to pull Make the trigger. And and I was just getting concerned that that not that it wasn't going fast enough, but there just seemed like it was not going as fast as it could. But like I said putting Jack Smith on this case, the fact that Merrick Garland chose him, that means that 
frankly, I think there's a case to be made and that it's going to be made and it's going to be made very quickly because that's, but it's a huge, huge signal in a very positive direction that both that Jack Smith was asked to do this and that he agreed to do it. So any doubts I had about Merrick Garland and this investigation at this point now, I just can't wait to sit back and watch and see what happens because like I said, this is, this is fantastic news. Yay. Karen Freeman Agnifilo, there's really no one out there uh, who could be speaking to the media about today's announcement that I'd rather hear this from than you. And again, for all of those who have been watching and those who are just tuning in now, Karen Freeman Agnifilo worked at the Manhattan DA's office for almost 30 years. Karen, most people don't believe that. They believe that you would have to have started when you were five years old for that to <laughs> for that to be the case. Well, I've seen a lot of comments like that, but it is it is true. Karen Friedman Agnifilo worked at the Manhattan DA's office for almost 30 years. She was the number two deputy essentially running the Manhattan DA's office while she was there. While she was there, she knows Jack Smith. She worked with Jack Smith. She can speak to his his character and what he would likely do here. Karen Friedman Agnifilo has been skeptical of the Department of Justice's conduct up until this point. And when this announcement was made today by Merrick Garland, you know, Karen called me up and she was like, Ben, and I thought Karen was going to say. All right, you know what, like Merrick. Marlon just passing. Meredith was, you know, more delay, you know, because Karen has been. Rightfully so, and, and holding people accountable. That's what we do here, too, on the Midas Touch Network. But Karen said, no, Ben. Jack Smith, you don't get it. Jack Smith's the real, Jack Smith's the real deal right here. And this is actually showing me that Merrick Garland thinks there's a case because you don't bring in Jack Smith if you don't think there's a case because you wouldn't set Jack Smith up kind of even for a failure like that. Like you don't bring in someone like that on a dud if you know it's just going to collapse. Like And Jack Smith, he wouldn't take a dud. He's Jack Smith kidding. wouldn't take a dud. Karen, he's, before he's, we go, final guy. words. Before we go, just, final he just, words. He, Jack Smith is just, you know, he, he's... He's ethical, he's smart, he's 
he's a fantastic investigator, he's a case maker, and he's a prosecutor's prosecutor. So this is a great choice uh, on the part of Merrick Garland. I say sit back, everybody, and, and watch what he does. This is the best choice that could have been made for this. Karen Friedman Agnipola, I want to remind all of our viewers and listeners, if you want to support independent media like this, you can check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Consider becoming a patron of the Midas Touch community. We are more than a network here. Wherever you are in the world, you could join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We here at the Midas Touch Network are not funded by any outside investors at all, zero. So none of those millionaire and billionaire outside investors who fund the both sides media or the pro-fascist media, we are 100% independent and 100% accountable to you and you alone. That's why even if we have a respectful disagreement, I'll go through your questions, I'll do my best to answer them, and we can see where it nets out. We just want to give you the data, and this isn't about talking heads and just bringing on people who are just going to give you sound bites but not know what they're talking about. The real deal is here at the Midas Touch Network. We had Karen Friedman Agnifilo on today's show who worked at the Manhattan DA's office for 30 years, who worked with Jack Smith. She was the number two at the Manhattan PA's office, and we want to share that expertise with you. And so when you go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, there's lots of exclusive content you could only get at our Patreon website. There's Q&As and behind-the-scenes footage and bonus podcasts. There's even a tier where you could become an honorary producer of the Midas Touch podcast, and your name appears at the end of the weekly podcast I do with my younger brothers, and there are posters and postcards that you could get from some of the membership tiers and so much more. But I always get asked, people say, look, we really love what you're building here, this unapologetically pro-democracy, purely independent media network. How can we help out? That's how you can do it, if you can. I know you subscribe to a lot of things, so no worries if you can. But if you can, please check out patreon.com slash Touch P-A-T. R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Also, check out store.midastouch.com for the best unapologetically pro-democracy gear. We've got the Convict or Convict 45 shirts. We've got the Row, Row Your Vote, Row Vember shirts, and so much more. Check it out at store.midastouch.com, the best Midas Touch gear. Store.midastouch.com. Everything is 100% made in the USA, and 100% union-made. Karen Friedman Agnifilo, so great having you here for this special edition of the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis. Until next time, special shout-out to the Midas Mighty.
Well, that's fucking great. Fucking great news. 